The Yesterday and Today podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun compilation of chronological source materials as they pertain to the Beatles. The show is in no way affiliated with Apple Corps, nor any organization connected to John, Paul, George, or Ringo in any way, though we do consider ourselves premier members of the Bungalow Bill fan club. So kick back, turn off your mind, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yesterday and today. The year is 1988. Episode 1, Wish You Were Here. This episode covers the months January to February. Well, I just couldn't believe that George Harrison was there and Olivia was there. This is how things line up for us on the evening of this New Year's Day. When our movie classic at 11.40 is The Quiet Man, starring John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara in John Ford's exuberant comedy, with Wayne as an American returning to his roots in Ireland and on the lookout for a bride. Before that, there's comedy with the two Ronnies, Corbett and Barker, celebrating 20 years of making us laugh. And at 7 o'clock, Terry Wogan launches Comic Relief, the aid charity supported by many of the country's top comedians. The weather now and rain already across Ireland and into western parts of England and Wales by morning will spread quickly east to most places by midday. The heaviest rain is likely in Wales and the southwest, where it will be very misty. During the afternoon, drier, brighter weather will reach Northern Ireland, Scotland and some northern parts of England and Wales. Although it will start quite cold in the east, it will become very mild again with highest temperatures up to 13 degrees Celsius, that's 55 degrees Fahrenheit in the south. It will be quite windy with some gales later in the northwest. It's 1988. John's being recognized, the Beatles now, by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. How do you feel about that? It's quite exciting. I wish he was here with that. And we've now come to the end of this evening. Radio 2 can give you some more entertainment. You can stay up with them all the way through into the morning. But we're leaving you now. Hoping you've had a really good New Year's Eve. And on behalf of everyone here on BBC One, this is Martin King, once again, wishing you a happy New Year and a good night. After the new year on January 2nd... Well, hello there, boys and girls. Welcome back to Doggy Club. McCartney continues work at Hog Hill Mill Studios in East Sussex, along with producers Trevor Horn and Stephen Lipson. And here we have in the studio famous record producer Johnny Horn. He's made all sorts of famous hits here. There's uh, lots of aerobic records that you... Uh, all work out to no doubt. Hi, this my is the man behind the wall. Hi, I'm Trevor. And over here is Uncle Stephen. 
Tried through, but I'm, I can sort of try through a bit on the piano. G, uh, how many people? So maybe before we get like formal, just have a little bit of goosing around with it. Yes, I, it's one of those ones you can kind of do on your own on the piano almost. Meanwhile, in America, throughout the month of January, George Harrison continues to promote his latest album, Cloud Nine, and his single from the LP, I Got My Mind Set On You, on both radio and television. In a recent interview for cable television's 24-hour music station, VH1, George talks about the single, which was written by Rudy Clark and recorded by James Ray on Ray's 1961 self-titled album. 
We wrote a song back in the early 60s called If You're Gonna Make a Fool of Somebody, which was real popular with us, with the Beatles. Uh, we used to do it in concert occasionally. Never recorded it, though. song was on I found this other song and it always stuck in the back of my memory it was just a neat song let's hear the Beatles sing it baby okay here we go we're playing a record for you now what do you want from the James Ray album got my mind set on you got my mind set on you chasing down old songs and finding them from obscure sources, I, I gather. Well, occasionally, yeah. Not, not a lot, but um, I've had a couple of tunes that have been a bit obscure, you know. I think that's the best example because it's a, it was such a big hit that it showed that it, you know, there was a reason why it stuck in the back of my head. I'm sure Rudy Clark's pretty pleased about it, too. It has incredible universal appeal. It's like Twist and Shout and uh, the Bamba, you know, the chorus part, and then it's got the other bit, reminded me of um, something like uh, Don't Be Cruel. You know I can be found Sitting home all alone If you can't come around At least please tell the phone Don't be cruel To who hard is true Live at the Waldorf Astoria in New York City on January 20th, it's the third annual Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony. 
This year's inductees to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are the Beach Boys, the Beatles, the Drifters, Diana Ross and the Supremes, Bob Dylan, Woody Guthrie, Lead Belly, Les Paul, and Barry Gordy Jr. It was confirmed that the three ex-fabs would attend the dinner ceremony, but at the last moment, McCartney rescinded his invitation and sent a letter from his attorney. Paul's reason was that George Ringo and the Lennon estate had filed a royalties equalization lawsuit against Capital, Apple, and McCartney. Paul McCartney chose to let business get in the way of rock and roll. He sent a telegram stating his reasons for staying away. Quote, The Beatles still have some business differences, which I had hoped would have been settled by now. Unfortunately, they haven't been, so I would feel like a complete hypocrite waving and smiling with them, George Harrison and Ringo Starr, at a fake reunion. It's sad that he's not here. The statement also riled one inductee, Mike Love of the Beach Boys, who leveled a shocking tirade from the stage, raging at McCartney and Ross and calling out some of the other big names in the house. And I think it's wonderful to be here tonight, but I also think it's sad that there are other people who aren't here tonight. Those are the people who have passed away. Those are the obvious ones. But the other not-so-obvious ones are people like Paul McCartney, who couldn't be here tonight because he's in a lawsuit with Ringo and, and Yoko. That's what he sent a telegram to, to some uh, high-priced attorney in this room, you know? Now, that's a bummer, because we're talking about harmony, right, in the world. If we can't get it together in America and in England in harmony within our groups, I mean, believe it. You can believe it. The Beach Boys have their own interstices or whatever you call it, squabbles. But that's a bummer when Ms. Ross can't make it, you know? The Beach Boys have continued to do about, we did about 180 performances last year. I'd like to see the mop tops match that. I'd like to see Mick Jagger get out on his stage and do I Get Around versus Jumpin' Jack Flash any day now. Now a lot of people are gonna go out of this room tonight thinking that Mike Love is crazy. Well, they've been saying that for years. Ain't nothing new about that. But what I'm talking about is forget this room. The United States is 6% of the population in the world. That's why I came here tonight with Muhammad Ali. Muhammad! Salam Alaikum! I didn't hear you say alaikum salam. Alaikum salam, he said it. Okay, I don't care what anybody in this room thinks. You know when they were talking about this, this guy with the guitar? Uh, you know, Arlo's father? Woody Guthrie, yeah. Well, I knew that because my father used to sing some of those songs. And my mother, the Wilson, Emily Wilson, I'm first cousin with Brian, Carl, and the late Dennis, the surfer of the group. When they first came to California, they were, Cal they were Kansas Dust Bowl Swedes, all right, Swedish people, who didn't have enough money to rent or buy a house. They lived in tents on the beach in Huntington Beach, California, when they first came out, all right? And now we're sitting in this room with all this glitterati glitterati of the glissando, all 6% of us, 
and we're hassling, we're fighting interstitine squabbles, you know, messing around. What I want to see is this whole room recognize that there is one earth here, and I want us to do something fantastic with all this talent and all this wonderful spirit and soul. And I'd like to see some people kick out the jams, and I challenge the boss to get up on stage and jam. I want to see Billy Joel, see if he can still tickle ivories. Let me see. I know Mick Jagger won't be here tonight. He's going to have to stay in England. But I'd like to see us in the Coliseum and him Limley Stadium because he's always been chicken shit to get on stage with the Beach Boys. Mike Love's speech horrified everyone in the audience and left guests asking, how could you let this happen? Some, like Elton John, saw the humor in it. Thank fuck he didn't mention me! <laughs> While others, like Bob Dylan, were less amused. And uh, I want to thank Mike Love for not mentioning me. Uh, and uh, I play a lot of dates every year, too. Uh, and uh, peace, love, and harmony is greatly important indeed, but so is forgiveness, and we got to have that, too. So thanks. Then Thank came you. Mick Jagger, who introduced the Beatles. Thank you. When I got here tonight, um, I saw George and he said, you're not going to say anything bad about me, are you? I couldn't think of anything, really, on the spur of the moment, bad to say about. Because in England, um, during those very early days, just while the Beatles were recording their first songs, it was a real wasteland. England had nothing really to offer as far as pop music was concerned. The big hits here that came from England were things like Akabilk, Stranger on the Shore, this was what they thought of in England. And Midnight in Moscow by Kenny Ball, now we all remember that one. Yeah. So, at that point, the Stones were playing in these little clubs in London, doing Chuck Berry songs and blues and things. And we loved doing that, and we are uh, pretty scruffy lot. And we thought that we were totally unique animals. I mean, there was no one like us. And then we heard there was a group from Liverpool. Now, <laughs> now everyone talks about, you know, Sios in Levittown, but I can tell you, Liverpool, this is really... <laughs> anyway, this group, and they had a... They had long hair, scruffy clothes, but they had a record contract. And they had a record in the charts with a bluesy harmonica on it called Love Me Do. When I heard the combination of all these things, I was almost sick. <laughs> so a little later on, you know, we were playing a little club in Richmond and I was doing this song and suddenly I saw, there they were, right in front of me, the Fab Four. <laughs> John Paul George and Ringo. The four-headed monster. They never went anywhere alone at this point. <laughs> and they had on these beautiful, long, black, leather trench coats. I, I could really die for one of those. And I, I thought, even if I have to learn to write songs, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this. <laughs> Later on, uh, they gave us our first uh, big hit in England, which was a song they wrote called I Want to Be Your Man, and uh, we were very, 
grateful for that because that really broke us in England. And, um, but the example of the way they wrote and the original way that they, they crafted their songs wasn't lost on us. And later on, their success in America broke down a lot of doors that helped everyone else from England that followed. And I thank them very much for all those things. The one thing I never appreciated during those early years was every time I'd come to New York, they would say to me, Hey, are you a beetle or are you a goyle? But, you know, I learned to live with that. We went through some pretty strange times. Um, we had a sort of a lot of rivalry in those early years and a little bit of friction, but we always ended up friends. And I like to think we still are. As they were some of the greatest times of our lives, and I'm, I'm really proud to be the one that leads them into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, I met Mick. <laughs> well, I've been nominated to say hi and thank you. And I did have this speech written here, you know. And, you know, in 1922, when I wrote it, I could see it. So we'll just rip that up. You can sit down. I'm going to be here for hours. <laughs> ah, I see you didn't get tables at the back. Well, I'd really like to just thank everyone, you know, here and everyone that's inducted us into this uh, Hall of Fame. You know, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I love, you know, they always called us a pop group. But... <laughs> Keep going, Georgie, it's your turn. I'm doing good. He always knows. Anyway, there were four of us in that band, and it just seems to be George and I, Yoko, Sean and Julian here. Uh, <laughs> it's growing, you know, every day. <laughs> so give us the mascot armor and let's get home. <laughs> so anyway, that's all I have to say. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And over to George. Thank you very much. I, I don't have to say much because I'm the quiet beetle. It's, uh, it's unfortunate Paul's not here because he was the one who had the speech in his pocket. And why didn't they play uh, Octopus's Garden? We'll talk about that later. Anyway, we all know why John can't be here, and I'm sure he would be, and it's hard really to stand here 
supposedly representing the Beatles. Uh, it's what's left, I'm afraid. But um, we all loved him so much, and we all love Paul very much. I suppose basically the reason we became the band was uh, all the other people who were in the Hall of Fame already, including Lead Belly, because actually they stole his tunes, turned it into Skiffle, and we all became Skifflers when we were 13. And uh, all of them in there, and all the people inducted tonight too, they all had great influence on us, and it was for that reason alone we just wanted to get guitars, get in a band, because we didn't really have proper jobs at the time. <laughs> anyway, it sort of turned out fine, and uh, <laughs> it's got a bit bigger than any of us expected. And uh, it's certainly wonderful to be here, and certainly a thrill. And thank you all very much, especially all the, the rock and rollers, a little Richard there, if it wasn't, it's all his fault really. Oh, yeah, but don't forget Muhammad Ali. <laughs> we won't forget Muhammad Ali, he picked us up in uh, Miami Beach one day. Anyway, thank you all very much, and on behalf of, of uh, John, I'm sure he's well covered here with Yoko, Sean, and Julian, and thank you all very much. God bless. I wish John was here. He would have been here, you know. He would have come. <laughs> He was that kind of person, full of music and love and sense of fun. And to me, this is a sort of a bitter moment, bittersweet moment rather. But there's always a blessing in life. And now we have these two beautiful boys. I'd like to thank Ahmed, Jan, and um, the Board of Directors of Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for bestowing this honor to my late husband, Joe Lennon. Thank you. I would just, I didn't have anything planned. I would just like to say, uh, obviously, I wish Dad was here. Um, but uh, I feel a bit awkward in this situation. But uh, as well as thanking Dad for giving me a lot of inspiration in the past, I just want to thank the rest of the guys in the Beatles for giving me a lot of influence and giving a lot of, a, a lot of other people influences too to live throughout their lives and help them. Thank you. Well, um, when the, I'm... I'm I'm a little young to know about this kind of stuff, but um, <laughs> I still 
you know, love the Beatles and I'm pretty proud to be up here today for doing nothing. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, we're all doing nothing. Give us the prize and let's get home here. You know what I mean? I'd like to say one more thing, and that is that during the uh, years of the Beatles, there was a, probably about 5,000 fifth Beatles, but there was actually only really two fifth Beatles, if there can be such a thing, and they were Derek Taylor and Neil Aspinall, who came with us right through. Thank you. I'd like to say hi to Bob and Hillary Gerard. The Beatles, Bob Dylan, the Beach Boys, and the Supremes are being honored. Arlo Guthrie was among the guests. Mary Wilson, a former Supreme. John Lennon was remembered by Yoko Ono and her oh, son I'm Sean. I'm having a great time, you know, just seeing all these people and having all these legends around me. And, and um, having accepted, um, having all these legends began with an award for Motown Records founder Barry Gordy Jr., the man who created what became known as the Motown Sound. Among the presenters tonight are such present-day legends as Mick Jagger, Bruce Springsteen, Elton John. The music won't start for another hour or so. They will be rocking the night away, so to speak. Bet they will. Yeah. Put Billy Joel in the monitors down here. Put Billy Joel down here. Well, she was just 17, you know what I mean, and the way she looked was way beyond the pain, well, how could I
uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. First of all, what that presentation uh, meant to you. Well, I must say, it didn't mean anything to me until I got there. Because, you know, it's just some ideas somebody had, and, you know, it's only been two or three years. It didn't really mean that much to me, but somebody said, you know, it mightn't seem like much now, but it is history, and you'll enjoy it. So I went along, and I was glad I went. Had a great night after everybody settled down. It was a bit hectic. And uh, it was fantastic just to see all those people and little Richard and, you know, all the guys that really enjoyed it. But now as I've got my little statue that says the Beatles, the Hall of Fame, and I'm sure as it goes more into the future, you know, it's going to be something which I'm glad, certainly glad I didn't miss it. Are you saddened that Paul McCartney wasn't able to appear? Uh, for him, I'm, uh, it's a pity he missed it because he would have had a good time. You know, and it was nice to see people saying, well, after all that we've done, you know, that's all it was, really. Get the lads here, give them a pat on the back and give them the medal. And it's a shame he missed it because he contributed so much to it. But it didn't spoil our night. We still had fun without him. Have you been able to have any reconciliation with, with Paul since that particular event? Oh, he's okay, yeah. He's okay. He just was trying to use that situation for some personal motive that he had, and it just didn't work. But, you know, we're long past all the squabbles now. It's hard for Australians, I'm sure, when you think of, your, of the, uh, the Beatles tours to Australia, it's hard for an Australian to believe that you three guys who remain don't get on. I mean, you were so much a no, team but that's But we do, actually, we do get on. I mean, at this point in time, uh, I've, I'm the closest I've been with Paul now for, say, the last 10, 12 years. And that's why it seems so silly what he did. But in spite of that, I still love him, and it doesn't matter. I'm going to continue my friendship with him regardless of his attitude because I don't have time to screw around anymore, you know? But you see a lot of Ringo, don't you, obviously? I see a lot of Ringo. I see a lot of uh, some other uh, musicians who are, you know, good friends. It was unfortunate because also I, I know Paul's wife, Linda, was cursing. She wanted badly to go to that show, and I think Paul did too. Maybe he was badly advised by somebody. I don't expect you to go into the finances over the details, but is it really, you know, a question over $1 million or, or $100 million? Is that the sort of thing? It's not really to do with anything like that. It's, um, it's a much more subtle thing than that. But it's, as I say, we've had uh, our difficulties with the record company we used to be with or that the Beatles are still with. And at this point in time... We're right on the, uh, for the first time really in 10 years of solving all those problems. Now everybody's talking and it looks like it's all going to be solved. The personal problem Paul had, uh, which was not actually his problem, it was mine and Ringo, because if you want to know, Paul got extra money off Beatle Records that we didn't get when we always agreed that we'd all get it equal. So that was the one thing that, that we had to do something in order to make sure that we got equal to Paul because of what the history should show. And it was nothing really to do with this settlement we got with EMI, which is great. And as soon as we do that, Paul will be free of any problem he may have of us. But, you know, mm. one way of doing that is working together. And it's unfortunate that he, you know, he's just sort of a bit foolish, I think. Sunday, January 24th on the Westwood One Radio Network, 
New York radio station WNEW-FM broadcasts the premiere episode of The Lost Lennon Tapes, an archaeological adventure through John's audio archive, hosted by Elliot Mintz through the cooperation with Yoko Ono. I taped the premiere episode and every episode after on cassette. Here is a bit of my audio recording. Guitar Boogie. Is that, a, is that an unbelievable story, Harris? That is amazing. I swear it's true. I, I, I was planning a way to get that record. In fact, I've had this in my locker because it's just a, such a great tune. I was going to say, I haven't seen that compact disc. Well, is that ours? <laughs> no, it's, it's not. <laughs> I keep it locked in the locker. A little W. Wow. And uh, as, as I mentioned, you'll, you'll, it's one of the first things you'll hear uh, from the Quarrymen is them doing that song. A lot of great things coming up on this special, and I know, Harris, you're going to sit right here and listen to it. I can't wait. I, I'm, I'm going to hop in the car, get there when I get home, turn on the radio, because this is going to be an incredible special. And let's point out, too, it's, some people were talking to me last night, it's a little confusing, because it's a three-hour special tonight, but then we're going to have like a continuing series of this every Monday night at 11 o'clock, another hour. That's right, and that starts tomorrow. That's and right. you're going to want to hear it, because... And there are some 300 hours of tapes that they found, so I oh, guess this is going to last for a while. Unbelievable. Yoko provided all these things, and uh, it's just great. So it is 8 o'clock, 1027, WNEW-FM, New York. And let's begin. Let's do it. The Lost Lennon Tapes. And now Diet Coke presents The Lost Lennon Tapes on the Westwood One Radio Network. John Lennon loved sound. It was his art and his passion. Throughout his life, he collected sound. Music, conversation, interviews, private moments. By the time of his death, John had literally hundreds of hours of tapes and cassettes in various places around the world. There were early recordings of the Beatles, John's demo tapes, all kinds of interviews he and Yoko had done, a complete chronicle of the double fantasy sessions, cassettes of special times at home, John's private life in sound. For years, these tapes have remained in vaults, closets, basements, and safe deposit boxes. But now, by special arrangement with the Lennon Estate, these tapes can finally be heard. Every week for the next year, Westwood One will take you on a journey through this unique sound experience, the Lost Lennon Tapes. Today, a three-hour preview of what's ahead with the series host, John's close friend and confidant, Elliot Mintz. Our incredible journey through the Lost Lennon Tapes begins after this. Here's your host for the Lost Lennon Tapes, Elliot Mintz. The Dakota. It's one of New York's oldest apartment buildings, and for almost 10 years it was home to John and Yoko. I was fortunate enough to share some time here with them, and lucky enough to be considered a friend. This room, the white room, the living room, will serve as home base for the journey we'll take together. 
Over the next three hours, we'll visit some of the places that were important in John's life in America, from New York to California. And I'll try to give you a broad overview of the wealth of material we found and still are finding every day. All of this has been made possible by a special arrangement between Westwood One and Yoko Ono. Hello, I'm Yoko Ono. Today, I'd like to tell you about this radio series, which will present private tapes of John Lennon. These are tapes that could have been just kept in a vault, never to see the light of the day. Most of them are probably pretty personal stuff, and I definitely had two minds about sharing them with you. But in the spirit of sharing, which John and I always believed in, I decided to make them available to you through the radio. I chose Westwood One because it was the obvious choice, being the biggest and the best radio network. Choosing Elliot Mintz as the host of the series was not so much a choice, I believe, but a comic destiny. As you all know, Elliot Mintz was a top DJ when he first met John and me. Since then, he has been a good and close friend to the Lennons for the past 15 years. I would not let anybody go into those vaults and take out tapes that I myself do not have the heart to listen to at this time, except it was Elliot. In result, he had to listen to over 100 hours of tapes in the last few months, night and day. Thank you, Elliot. Our journey starts with one of the earliest of all the tapes, simply marked The Quarrymen, one of the first groups John formed with his school buddies Paul McCartney and George Harrison. recording of what appears to be John backing up Paul with an old Ray Charles hit may have been a rehearsal, or it may have been a record they made at a local Liverpool shop, since you can actually hear pops and cracks if you listen carefully. But most of the music on the Quarrymen tape is instrumental, their British version of American rock and roll. John and the others played in the cavern in Liverpool, first as the Quarrymen and later as the Beatles. By that time, John and Paul had started writing their own songs, two of which, P.S. I Love You and Love Me Do, became their first single. As the Lost Lennon tapes continued into the next three hours, the special jumped around many topics, ranging from early Quarrymen, as you just heard, through John's 1966 religious remarks, and finishing at John's lost weekend and evening at the Los Angeles Troubadour Club. The special also allowed the listener to hear songs such as Strawberry Fields Forever in their conceptual stages. At the end of the three hours, Elliot Mintz came back to wrap things up. Literally hundreds of reels of rare tapes will sample in the year to come. 
jam sessions, unreleased songs, home recordings of John accompanying himself on guitar, studio rehearsals, alternate takes of Lennon classics, songs written for others, and reels and reels of the spoken word, interviews, poetry readings, press conferences, and John's private audio mind movies. Our journey through the lost Lennon tapes will be a unique radio experience. John Lennon, raw, real, and alive. We begin next week, and I hope you join us. I'm Elliot Mintz, in the White Room of the Dakota. This preview of the Lost Lennon Tapes has been brought to you by Diet Coke. Enjoy Diet Coke. You're going to drink it just for the taste of it. This special program was written and produced by Bert Kleinman. Associate producer, Carol Kleinman. Additional research by Stephen Peoples and John Schwartz. Production and engineering, Dave Kephart. Special thanks to the BBC London. The Lost Lennon Tapes came to you on the Westwood One Radio Network. Executive producer, Norm Pattis. The next day, entertainment outlets reviewed and critiqued the series with interviews like this one by Geraldo Rivera. The decision to release the hundreds of hours of audio tape was not an easy one for Yoko Ono. Each time when I bring out a product of John's, uh, there's that's a, a certain a fraction of people who, who would say something like, well, why is she doing it? The Double Fantasy album ended a period of five years in which John Lennon shifted his focus from music to his family. When he finally decides to record again, he captures it all on tape. How do you react with uh, the whole controversy over, you know, your the, the breakup of the group and, you know, you were the reason for it? I mean, is that a wound that ever heals? I don't know. I wasn't the one who broke up the Beatles. And um, they just needed a scapegoat, I suppose. In the tapes, John discusses the breakup and explains in detail why there never was a Beatles reunion. One of the most enduring monuments to John Lennon is a section of New York's Central Park. It's named for a song he wrote. Walking in the park this morning, your reaction when you see it now? It's a place that something extremely negative happened. And I feel that now it's turned around to a very positive place. I don't think it was New York that uh, killed John. It was somebody who came from outside New York. So if he was relaxing in Bermuda, if the guy wanted to go there, I'm sure he would have, you know? Does it renew the pain every time you hear of Well, it's like when they were talking about me as a dragon lady. I mean, I just uh, have a way of uh, just going on with my life without being affected by it. Oh, I, I try to. Were you ever the dragon lady? Um, dragon lady. <laughs> well, I don't know what dragon lady means, but dragon probably um, symbolizes something that is unique and very strong. And if that's what it is, uh, I'm honored. And she should be honored for releasing the marvelous tape record of some of her husband's most creative moments. We always knew how talented Lennon was. These tapes establish him as an authentic genius. He was rock and roll's Rembrandt. Rob, Mara? You know, it seems that it was very uncomfortable, difficult for her to talk about being accused of breaking up the Beatles. But did you sense any resentment at all, Geraldo? I think she did and has gotten a bum rap, Mary, I really do. I knew them all back then in 71, 72, and what broke them up, in my opinion, aside from the fact that the two couples, uh, 
Paul and Linda, John and Yoko did not get along was the fact that John was tired of recording Paul's music and Paul was tired of recording John's music. It was a financial as well as a personal thing. It mm -hmm. wasn't Yoko's fault. Mm -hmm. And that happens in partnerships, right? Sometimes. Yeah, partnership and love, absolutely. Yeah. Geraldo, thank you very, very much. Okay. Good well. report. On January 24th, MTV premieres George Harrison's video for the song, When We Was Fab. The next day, simultaneously in America and in the UK, Dark Horse Records released the single, When We Was Fab, back with Zigzag. A compact disc version is also released with two additional songs, a remix of the song, That's The Way It Goes, and a longer version of, When We Was Fab. The cover art for the vinyl and the CD have hand-drawn artwork by Klaus Vormann in the style of the LP Revolver. The single reached number 25 in the UK singles charts and number 23 in the US Billboard Hot 100.
In Los Angeles on February 10th, George, along with Jeff Lynn, appear on a live radio call-in show titled Rockline on the radio station KLOS-FM. Live via satellite from Hollywood, it's a two-hour special edition of Rockline, the show where you interview the hottest stars in rock and roll. Hello again, I'm Bob Coburn. Rockline is brought to you in part by Budweiser. For all you do, this Bud's for you. Tonight, Rockline is an evening with George Harrison. So get your questions ready and call us toll-free in the U.S. and Canada. 1-800-344-ROCK. That's 1-800-344-7625. One number toll-free from anywhere in North America. George Harrison's contribution to society is immeasurable. As a member of the Beatles, he helped shape the identity of millions of us. As a solo artist, he has not only given us some beautiful music, but has also conveyed a strong sense of spirituality as well. And it's a pleasure for Rockline to welcome George Harrison. Nice to have you here. Nice to meet you. Shoot. Welcome is, to Rockland. Is that me? You that's, that's you. That's, that's yeah. how you've affected that's me. That's the real least. me. That's right. Okay. Hello, everybody. Hello, George. <clears throat> First thing I, I want to ask is, is what led to your association with Jeff Lynn, who co-produced the record with you? Had you known Jeff before, or was this a first-time project for you? Well, actually, Jeff and I were born as Siamese twins <laughs> back in 1927. It took him 14 years to sort of separate us and another 28 to get us back together again. <laughs> it, it seems to me that Jeff really brought out the best in you and let you create a record that was really yours. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. 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 We're gonna Words cannot tell the greatness of this man. <laughs> During the show, George and Jeff were drinking a few beers, which loosened them up, but fans that got through on the phones found him at times to be rude and sarcastic, which made for an interesting interview. Coburn, our next call is Kenny from Los Angeles, listening to 95.5 KLOS. Kenny, you're on Rockline with George Harrison. All right. Hi, Bob. Uh, hi, hi, Kenny. George? Hi, 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 dude. All right. Uh... I'd like to share this is a great honor to me also to speak to you. Well, me too. So let's get on with that bit. Let, what, what do you want to know? Okay. Uh, my question is, what was it like working with uh, Jeff in the studio producing the album? It was terrible. He's, he's <laughs> such a rat. He's a real rat. I wouldn't have anything to do with him. Okay? <laughs> what else do you want to know? What else tonight, Kenny? How did it, uh, you know, how did he help your sound and, and uh, being that you hadn't worked with the producer in a long time, I think since Phil Spector. Yeah. He used to just have sex with me, you know, every 30 minutes just to keep me on my toes. <laughs> No, seriously, Jeff is a great arranger, great musician, good singer, and, uh, you know, having been sort of through that kind of musical experience that I've been through, the Roy Orbisons and Buddy Hollies and, you know, all those people, that we had a lot in common and we had a great support, not just musically, but as human beings, and that was the key to it all. Kenny, thanks so much for being on Rockline tonight and call us again sometime. Yeah, piss off, Kenny. <laughs> We're going to talk now to Stephen. Stephen is in Woodmere, Long Island, listening to 92.3 K-Rock in New joking, York. Just joking, Kenny, just joking. <laughs> Stephen. I had a Dos Equis earlier, that's all it is, okay? <laughs> Love you, Kenny. Love you. Stephen, meet George Harrison. Uh, hi, how you doing, George? Hi, Steve. Where are you? Uh, I'm from Woodmere, Long Island, as Bob just said. Uh, I wanted to congratulate you, first of all, on the success of the new album. And uh, also on your induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame along with the other Beatles. Thank you very much. And, Thank uh, you. Um, the thing I want to ask you was, you have always been known as a quiet Beatle. Lately, though, you've been giving a lot of interviews. And I was wondering, how does it feel to be facing the media again? And it feels okay. You know, let's face it, I, you know, I was the quiet Beatle because I didn't really 
want to say much, you know. I, at that time, I was just watching what was happening. And uh, then later on, I was so paranoid, I couldn't do it anyway. And now I seem to have got myself in a reasonable condition where it's actually fun. And it does help having, you know, a record that's done well. Let's face it, I wouldn't be out here if it was a flop. And so I'm out here and I'm trying to enjoy it. And I feel a lot of love, you know, for the Beatles and for me personally. And that's why I'm here. And your fans are thrilled to have some contact with you again, which is what the media provides, ultimately. And, Stephen, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. We're going to talk now with Hal. Hal is located in Columbus, Ohio, and our affiliate there is QFM 96. Good evening, Hal. Hi, and hello, George. Hi, how are you? Congratulations on Cloud9 going platinum. Thanks a lot. I, I, I must tell you, I do feel a bit like Dr. Ruth at this moment, so <laughs> if you have any sexual problems, just bring them right out, okay? Trying us at all, hopefully. Um, but I do have an interesting question, hopefully. Um, on the When We Was Fab video, I read in um, this magazine, Beatle Fan, that Paul McCartney had said in like a London interview that he wanted to play the role of the walrus. And I noticed that as the camera pulls back, there's Ringo, you, and the walrus with the left-handed bass in the shot, just as a guy walks across with John Lennon's Imagine album cover. Now, is that in a reunion? Is Paul in the walrus mask or not? Well, here's another clue for you all. <laughs> the walrus was Paul. <laughs> Excellent. Will huh? it make you like the video anymore if you know it's Paul in there? Or could it just be like B.B. King or Alfred Hitchcock? <laughs> it doesn't really matter, you know. But, it doesn't really matter. But it really is Paul, but he's a bit shy lately. <laughs> Hal, thanks for calling. Thanks for being on tonight. Our next call for George from Philadelphia is Ross, and he's listening to 94 WYSP. Good evening. Hi, it's Dr. Ruth <laughs> Yeah, I'm here, yeah. Dysfunction. Good, good. About time. Now listen, uh, I'd like to know if you're uh, planning a tour to support your latest effort. Well, no, I'm not actually. I, I don't. I don't have a tour planned at all. Actually, I'm. I'm so busy being, you know, just doing this and everything else. You know. I mean, it's so long since I made a record, you know. What else do you want? You know, give us a break. <laughs> but I don't discount the fact that I would like to play, you know, and I would like to do some shows, but I just don't want to be stuck in motels in Philadelphia for the rest of my life. You know, I've discovered things that are more important than being on the road. You know, but not that I don't love you all out there, but, you know, I mean... That's it, basically. I don't have a plan, but don't be surprised if you see me in your hometown this Saturday. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Ross. We appreciate it. By the way, all of our callers who get on the air with George tonight will receive an autographed copy of Cloud Nine, courtesy of Warner Brothers Records, and we thank them for that. We have a call now from Dark Horse, actually. Is it Dark Horse? <laughs> Gee, they didn't tell me that. We have a call now from Jacksonville, Florida. Rock 105 is our station there, and we welcome Johnny to the Rock Line. Hi. Hi, Bob. Hi there. Hi, George. Hi, Johnny. How are you doing? Just fine. Yeah. It's great to have you back, man. I haven't been anywhere. <laughs> I know what you mean. Okay. It's okay. great to be back. You know, it's, it is good to be back, but I was always there anyway, even when you never noticed. Well, that's true. Thank you. Looking forward to uh, getting a copy of your book, Songs by George Harrison. Well, you must be pretty wealthy because it costs quite a lot, that book. It's like about $200 at least. So, no, I, you must be a yuppie, right? I, we're all yuppies. Let's face it, I've got a BMW. <laughs> I work for the post office, George. Post office, good. Well, send it on a wire. Send it immediately. 
Good call, Johnny. Thanks. We appreciate it. And let's let Anthony have a turn. Anthony is in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania. He is listening to Rock 107 FM in Scranton, and we welcome him to the Rock Line. Good evening. Hi, George. Hi. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'd just like to say before I ask my question that I'm also looking forward to my copy of Songs by George Harrison. So you're a yuppie, too. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not a yuppie. No, okay. Well, it is a very nice book. I, I think you'll like it, and I'm sure even if it costs you $500, you'll be able to sell it next year for 700 Well, I need my son Harrison after you, and I'm hoping that I can keep it in very good shape so that it's something he can enjoy when he gets older. He's well, that's here. very flattering to name your boy after me. I'm calling my next boy Dylan. Okay. <laughs> uh, the question I have, George, is I'm a big collector of yours, and I've got everything on the Dark Horse label. And uh, when Ravi's latest album came out, I noticed it was on the private music label and not on Dark Horse. And I'm also wondering about Splinter. They made three terrific albums. Well, that's nice of you to be that in, in touch with some of those things that uh, you know, I was involved with. Ravi, for instance, well, actually Dark Horse Records ceased to exist really after about 1976, with the exception of the label was just for me, you know, because, um, you know, some of that stuff, it's hard to get dis distributed. Nobody really wants to play Ravi Shankar's sensational ballet on the radio, so... That's what happens, but, you know, Ravi's been on, like, 10 million labels. He just keeps on going, you know? Yeah. And uh, same with Splinter, actually. At that time, I thought I was going to have a record company, but it's, it's a, you know, it's a pain in the butt, really, because if you do any good for them, they all think it's in spite of you, and if you do any wrong, it's because of you. Yeah. And uh, they think you're a bank just to give them money and do all that stuff, and so I got fed up with them all, and I got rid of them. There you go, Anthony. Thank you for your call. We're going to have to take a brief time out, which we will do right now. We'll be back in just a moment with some more songs, some more time to talk with George, and who knows what else here on Rockline this evening. Call us toll-free anywhere from North America at 1-800-344-ROCK. Calling for you to go 
I'm just breathing to myself, pretending not that I don't know. Mama, you just don't mind mine. Inside your mirror, you know I won't be next to you. You know I won't be there. But I'd be curious to know if you can see yourself as clear as someone who has had you on his mind. Messenger, Missouri. His name is David. He's listening to KY102 in Kansas City. David, good evening. Hi, George. How you doing tonight? I'm doing fine. Um, my uh, uh, first question is, and this is kind of on the aside, the guys at Rockline got our phone numbers. I was wondering if you were going to be calling any of us after the show. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I'm going to stay up till 7 in the morning. I'm going to call you all back and get my own back on you, okay? <laughs> okay, well, uh, the question I had was... Um, you completely achieved uh, most people's dream of fame and wealth, but are there any other dreams or aspirations that you still want to see come true? For myself, you mean, or for everybody? Well, for yourself, and maybe per perhaps for everybody else, too. Right, well, really, the fame and the wealth bit's good to get out of the way at an early age, uh, because... You know, there's no fun waiting around for taxis or buses when you can't afford a car and all that and you don't know where your next meal's coming from. But once you got all that bit, you suddenly find out that that isn't it anyway. And you still want to know, who am I, what am I doing here, and where am I going? Basically, that is what it's all about. And for me, it was that helped me get to that point where when you finally reach the top, you find out you're at the bottom. And so... You know, then you have to look somewhere else, you know, and where do you look for this uh, lamp that's a flashing and the oil well that's a gushing and all that stuff, you know? You're listening, Bob? Where do you look? And it's inside. You look in your heart because that's the only place you're going to get anything of any value in this life is inside yourself, in your heart. And when you get it, you just got to hang on to it and get more of it and give it to everybody else and they'll give it back to you. And eventually we'll all get out of here, said the joker to the thief. Excellent. David, thanks for the call. Nothing anybody can add to that. She like a glove Join my dream Tell me yes Bail out should there be a mess 
The pieces you don't need are mine Take my time I'll show you cloud night Take my smile and my heart They be yours from the start Pieces to admit are mine Have my love Use it while it does you good Share my highs But the times that you hurt's pain on mine Those pieces you don't need are mine I'll see you there on cloud nine George Harris, and if you have not heard the album in its entirety, we're playing a lot of music from it tonight, and you'll find out how special this record is. It's quite good from George Harris. And our next call from Dallas, it's Mark. Quite He's good. It's great. Quite good. I, I like this record a lot. This is Mark from Dallas listening to Q102. Good evening, Mark. Hi, George. How's hi. it going? Uh, hi, Mark. Fine. It's going good. It's pretty good. George, what were the big influences on your slide guitar playing? Uh, slide guitar playing, I think the, uh, I didn't really know about slide guitar playing, I mean I'd heard him do it, but I'd never done it myself until um, Delaney Bramlett was Delaney and Bonnie and I went on the road with him, with Eric Clapton and on the record they made of a tune called Coming Home it was uh, it was uh, Dave Mason, I think, had played slide on the record and so when we went on the road, Delaney said to me passing me a slide and he said do you play Dave Mason's part? And I I don't know what you do with this thing. You know, I mean, I didn't even place. Here's a revelation, all you Beatle pickers out there. I didn't play the slide part on Drive My Car. I was so busy playing the uh, the lick from from Respect by uh, o- Otis Redding. You know, I was doing that bit.
you know, that kind of thing. And Paul overdubbed that slide. So I never really played slide until this Delaney and Bonnie tour about 1968. And then I thought, ooh, that's sort of interesting. But, uh, you know, you, there's no way you can go to find out how to do that. I mean, Ry Cooder, <laughs> let's face it, I bought a lot of Ry Cooder records because he's, uh, to me, and Robert Johnson. I was fortunate enough to get to hear Robert Johnson uh, because Eric Clapton, years ago, I asked him to give me something good and that's what he gave me and it was the best. Uh, but I don't really think of myself as a slide player. I, I, I spent a lot of years playing the sitar. It seemed like a lot, a lot of years anyway, but on the sitar I realized, uh, you know, that uh, I'm not really playing the guitar that much and by that time there's 29 million players that are all better than you. So I got the slide out and I thought, well, at least I can fake my way through something. And it became like this thing, people said, wow, you know, he plays this cute slide guitar. But, you know, actually I, f I feel like Raikuda's the guy who plays the, the good stuff and he inspires me to try and play that better. But at the same time, I'm into this Indian music, and there's a guy called uh, Brij Bajan Cabra who plays uh, a guitar, but he plays it like a lap steel. He, he lays it on his leg and plays it with the slide on top, like, and restrung it, but plays all that sort of groovy Indian stuff on it. <laughs> inspires me too maybe my style has got a little touch of stuff that got into me when i was you know spending all that time with the indian musicians mark that's a good call we thank you for it we appreciate it and we'll play some music by george as we go back to the album rubber soul the beatles this is if i needed someone Some other day, then it might not have been 
Continuing in a moment. Part two of Rockline with George Harrison. I don't really play much, you know, even the guitar, which I suppose is my first instrument. I don't really touch the thing, you know. I don't have time. I'm so busy talking on the radio and stuff, you know. A new traveling band is formed. I was um, asked by the Nye Record Company to give them an extra song to put on a 12-inch extended single mm-hmm. for Germany and uh, Great Britain which I didn't have any extra tunes recorded at the time, so I just thought, well, I'll go in tomorrow, go in a, a studio someplace, and uh, i just write one and do it then. It's only a seaside, like a... <laughs> so... A <seaside>. <laughs> <laughs> you want this extra song. So I was having dinner with Jeff Lynne. Mm. He was having dinner with Roy Orbison. And uh, I said to Jeff, do you feel like coming along? And he said, sure. Roy Orbison said, well, if you do something, give me a call. I went round to Tom Petty's house to pick up my guitar, which was at his house. And Paul writes for Cash. He went over for dinner with Johnny Cash in one night and his lovely wife and family. There was a new moon coming up that night, and uh, I decided to try and write a little bit of a song that would capture the feeling. Next on Yesterday and Today. information or to contact the show visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com also visit at yesterdaypod on twitter and search yesterday and today podcast on facebook see you next time Paul Kaminsky. I'm James Kaminsky. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. And we bring you the Kaminsky family of podcasts Yesterday and Today and the Third Men podcast. You might know me from one of those dumb voices I do, or my dad (laughs) from his better show than ours. (laughs) Wow. And we're here to tell you about some cool merchandise you can pick up for the shows. As we mentioned in each episode, we do not in any way profit from these shows whatsoever, but to break even on some expenses, we have put up some cool merch that you can pick up to help support the show. Yes, some fun apparel, things you can put on yourself. Are we going to be selling Marks and Spence underwear? <laughs> Don't worry, we will. You can head to our social media pages, that's facebook.com slash yesterday and today podcast, or facebook.com slash third men, or you could head to society com slash Kaminsky family podcast, that's society, the number six, dot com slash K-A-M-I-N-S-K-I family podcasts. Yeah, keep our lights on. I'm in the dark. Dad, any words of wisdom? Hello? The lights just went out. (laughs) 
Guys, we need your help. <laughs> Buy stuff. Perhaps a coffee mug that you can enjoy a beverage out of while listening to our shows. And if you haven't got yours, please send forth in and get a free one. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Dad. All right. We'll see you on the podcast, folks. Bye. It's audio. You can't see oh, me. For God's sake.